The views and opinions expressed on Unlock Your Wealth Radio are those of the host, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the views of Unlock Your Wealth Radio, Heather Wagonalls, or Success Publishing International. Worried about retirement? Want to travel the world or just be around to watch your kids grow up but you can't because you're drowning in debt? Now you can with Heather Wagonhalls and the Keys to Riches powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio. Heather will show you how to stop chasing your wallet, eliminate debt, lose financial stress, and live the life of your dreams. If you truly ever wanted to have more, do more, be and give back more, now's your chance. Listen weekly to hear what others are doing to manage their money better with these proven strategies for building wealth with the Keys to Riches financial philosophy. Now, here's your host, Heather Wagonhalls. Welcome, everyone. This segment of Keys to Riches, powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio, is sponsored by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at keystoriches.com. Whoops. <laughs> Get a free audiobook download at keystoriches.com forward slash free book and click on the link to over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Keys to Riches, powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio. I am your purveyor of prosperity, Heather Wagonhalls, and I am flanked by the maestro of Moolah, Michael Terry. Hey, folks. And we are going to help you get your money mind right on today's show with the following great features. First off, what key is it, Maestro? Uh, The key is number six, uh, hope for the best and plan for the worst. Yeah, for the waste. For the waste, I get the little the East Coast thing going on there. Brooklyn, Brooklyn. There you go. Brooklyn accent. This is going to dovetail off of last week's key, which was take emotion out of the picture, and so we learned how, or we identified what it is about. Uh, ourselves and our physiology that keeps us from making effective decisions. And today we're going to learn about how to effectively respond as opposed to emotionally react um, or instinctively react. And we're also going to learn how to create our uh, financial fire escape Mm. because we're going to address everybody's number one fear on today's show. So it'll be super great. Plus, we also have our moolah word of the day. And kind of our money drama has to do with not having a financial fire escape already planned out. So uh, we're going to kind of mix those all together. So it should be a great show. Yeah. But moolah word, though. So today's moolah word is actually a phrase. And our moolah phrase is deferred compensation which is an arrangement in which a portion of an employee's income is paid out at a date after which that income is actually earned. Examples of deferred compensation include pensions, retirement plans, and stock options. The primary benefit of most deferred compensation is the deferral of tax. Hmm. So that's kind of why we like that. So when we think about uh, getting a job, the salary is whatever it is, X dollars. But deferred compensation is how we, we can use that as a comparative factor between jobs. If we have two offers, who has the better deferred compensation plan? Because that's technically more money on two levels. It's more money because, you know, as you compare between the jobs, because it's an employer contribution and the tax savings or the deference of taxes right. specifically is also another benefit. 
So that means more take home. So it has like the double bang for your buck when you look at deferred compensation plans. I have a I have an example that that might be considered that, but more you know along the line of a middle class situation, you know. But it, let's say you have an income of forty thousand dollars a year, and it's November, middle of November, and all of a sudden your boss decides she wants to give you a big raise, you know, like a ten thousand dollar bonus at the end of the year. You don't want that ten thousand dollar bonus at the end of the year, do you? Well, it it's depends gonna, if it, it, it depends. It's going to put you in another tax bracket. Potentially. Yeah. Not necessarily. So I told, I told the person, I said, why don't you have them split up the payments in the next following year? Give, your, give, you, give yourself some time to get your tax, taxes together. Yeah, but that might, but for the employer doing it at the end of the year may be a benefit to the employer. To the employer. You know, so Who they cares? may be thinking about their tax situation too. Yeah. But I would never say no to money. Yeah. I would just take it and deal with it. Because then maybe you just make a larger max out your IRA mm-hmm. or your 401k contribution. There's a way to take it. So never say no to money. Never. That's, that's your motto. Absolutely. And that was one of the things that like so like angered me. Not just upset me, but I was like raised to like violent rage Yeah. <laughs> when my former husband, hence the term former, yeah. said he didn't want to go to the next level because it would put him into another tax bracket. He didn't well, want to get, yeah, that's he crazy. didn't want to get a raise. That's crazy. And that's insanity but to professionally stifle your career because you're worried about taxes. Because you know what? If it's about take-home pay, you can up your allowances and manipulate take-home pay so simply. Mm-hmm. You but, know, but if it's December fifteenth, April first, you got to make a quarterly based on that increase of pay. So don't you want to? Yeah, but if you don't have it, you don't have it. Mm-hmm. But you can always adjust income from other years. You know what I'm saying? So you just have to work that out with your accountant, right? Yeah. But so yeah, never say no to money. Yeah, that's the dumbest thing that you know um, to do that. You know, worry about the tax consequences later. You know, that's and, and that actually brings up, if we could expand on this point for a moment, a larger problem with moneyisms. So, and and that's a, that's a misconception of the middle class when it comes to money. So the wealthy actually brag about how much they owe. To Uncle Sam. You're right, they do. Because it's a point of pride. Yeah. Because that means that they made a boatload of money. And they contributed to the, the betterment of society. No question. No. No question. And and what the middle class is, you know, and, and that's, uh, it was so great. We were out to dinner with the lectors a few nights ago. And this one woman was from another country. So not familiar at all with, you know, Sharon's um background or books like she heard that she was you know a famous author but she didn't know what she wrote about or anything like that but this woman had heard of dave ramsey and his radio show Mm -hmm. and um i loved how she addressed that she's like well what do you think of dave ramsey and she says well i think that you know for the for his followers and 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 the people that have been able to make changes in their lives because of him he's fine but he's of that scarcity mentality and she's more of fostering the entrepreneurial spirit so it's not about you know lack and hoarding of what you have try not to lose what you have she's out, she's about entrepreneurship and go make more yeah 
carve yourself a bigger piece of the pie. Don't worry about how much pie you have left. I mean, to a degree, we need to be, we need to pay attention to that. But when we look at how, what we do here at the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation, it's a completely different mindset. Because we track our savings and spending, but we're not so caught up and we have to clip coupons and do all of this stuff to to squeeze every penny out because it's easier and simpler, although more fearful, but I guess that ties into today's show. It's easier and simpler to go out and get more money than to figure out how to wring a few more pennies out of what you have. And until we conquer that fear... We're always going to be living from lack and we don't want to live from lack, you, you know, and you kind of hear these metaphysical people about living from abundance and the secret and all yeah. of that metaphysical stuff. And that stuff is true, but it's not, it's not presented in a way that's credible. And that's why more people don't have a more spiritual outlook, you know, because you can be an atheist or a non-believer in a like higher power, like a God, but there still is this electrochemical interconnectedness of the universe on a molecular scientific level. Mm-hmm. And that can't be refuted. Yeah. And that and and as the maestro of moolah and dealing with sound waves, you understand implicitly how sound affects the body. Yeah. You know, how just a simple melody, a vibration at a certain frequency can take somebody's mm-hmm. mood up or down, Absolutely. back, you know, outward or introspective. And so that exists, whether you believe in God or, or, or is, oh, is yeah. not relevant. Um, but there is a resonance to the universe, and wealthy people vibrate at a higher resonance. And it's not just this metaphysical gobbledygook or, or, or new speak that people think from those new agers, because mm-hmm. the new agers aren't really new anymore. <laughs> Actually, you guys are all. Collecting Social Security now. (laughs) But back when you guys were all New Agers, you know, people think it's New Age. And it's not, you know, because if you think about, you know, vibration, universal vibration in existence, the Gregorian monks in their chants created resonance with sound and were allowed to elevate themselves. And vibrate at a higher level. And and people that meditate vibrate at a higher level. They've done brain scans of those meditative monks, the Buddhists. Mm -hmm. And They have thicker, more dense brain mass, and they can think better, clearer, and at a higher level because they take the time to pay attention to their universal vibration. Mm. And that's scientific. It's not just metaphysical or spiritual. It's actually scientific. And, uh, and so that's what we need to be focusing on when it comes to managing our money more effectively. And I, how I was able to extrapolate that all the way from deferred compensation, it'll be amazing. I'm going to have to go back and, and listen to this <laughs> to tie this back into deferred compensation. But, um, you know, playing into that, I guess, if we think about it is, you know, not taking compensation because it's going to push us into a higher tax bracket and create a tax uh, liability or a potential tax consequence is a very short-sighted, short-term view. And that is mm-hmm. the difference between people that have money and people that don't, I, is vision. I think, if I may, if I may excuse myself a little bit, I think if it were me— Getting that $10,000, I would have grabbed it. But the person that I was talking to, knowing that person and knowing the way he thinks. 
Oh, so this is an actual example. Oh, yeah. Okay, not and, a hypothetical. And knowing the way that person thinks, I said to myself, you know what? This money might be better off deferred until the first of the year based on this right. Right, but this, this guy's person. thinking is short-sighted. He's worried Correct. about his tax liability. Absolutely, but I would have grabbed the money. You're right. I, I'm looking at it from his point of view, but I would have grabbed the money. Yeah. Um, we still have to be paying attention to or be cognizant of where our vision is. And the difference between the impoverished ditch digger or manual laborer who can't get themselves out of where they are versus the millionaire is, is one thing. The only difference is vision. You know, the person, and, and I know many millionaire ditch diggers. So it's the one, so I'm not saying it's a ditch digger issue. I'm saying for the manual labor mentality, their vision is the next paycheck, Mm -hmm. you know, and the difference between a millionaire's vision and that, that same ditch digger is that that millionaire isn't probably looking to next paycheck or next week or next month. He's looking 10 years down the road. Think of the vision that Bill Gates have his, his vision was to, to have a home computer in every home. In America, yeah. So, oh, mind blowing, you know. You know, and and so, and he was relentless, and yep. that is obviously something he couldn't do to realize a bigger paycheck next week, or the next month, or the next year. Yeah. It took a long time to build Microsoft into mm-hmm. the world power type of country and he made, company. He, it is, and he made huge sacrifices. Let's face it. Yes, we yeah. forget about that when we talk about how sophisticated somebody's you know security system is yeah. in their home. We forget what they gave up to yeah. get to that point where, that necessitates. Rela- relationships, t- time off, relaxing at home, watching the TV. Forget about it. He didn't do any of that. Right. And it was a choice. Yeah. It was a choice. And, and that kind of goes back to my you know, inner desire to write this book about F-life balance. Because it's not about <clears throat> equality in every area of your life. When you think about, you know, everybody likes to look at this life wheel you know, and, and they're looking for balance. Um, but satisfaction and quantity are not necessarily <clears throat> related. You know, I mean, I think I can, I can have um, just a couple of bites of a high quality dark chocolate truffle. And my satisfaction is like a 12 on a scale of one yeah. to 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I could eat like 10 pounds of Hershey's chocolate and my satisfaction would be a two. And if I was trying to get to 10 in every category, you know, in my life, it, it's, it's a, it's a ridiculous proposition. And I think that that, that misunderstanding of life balance is what has millennials so far off to the other end of the spectrum where they work as little as possible because they watch their parents, uh, like quote unquote sacrifice, but it wasn't a sacrifice. It was a choice. Yeah. I would rather be at work. You yeah. know, yeah. I don't need eight hours, you know, with my child, but I want eight hours at my job. But, you know, I don't need eight hours with my kid to have quality time with my kid. I can have a quality two hours with my child that'll, and I would rather have high quality two hours with a child than say eight hours of mediocre quality mm-hmm. with a child. Mm-hmm. And so allotting the two hours, 
for the child and the eight hours for my business where I can be in the flow, Mihaly Csikszent Mihaly, or I can be um, hyper-focused and create something meaningful, following my purpose, fulfilling the lives of others. And if that gives me satisfaction and income and I'm good with it, that's all that matters. This societal need to impose guilt on people for not being quote unquote balanced is ridiculous. And it's not about balance. It's about, you know, I think of um, a stone and I think about how when you look at a diamond and it sparkles, every cut is not symmetrical and every cut is not the same size. It's the different sizes of the cuts and the angles that make that stone brilliant. It's not the fact that it's balanced. Yeah. But I mean, I think about music and think about harmony. So, so life balance, I think is a bad um, goal. I think life harmony is a better target Mm -hmm. because I remember my first husband was into, to bass, but you know, like, I can't remember who it was. I think it was the guy he used to always quote the guy. I don't know if it was a guy from Primus or the guy from poison or whatever, but there was some bass player, some famous bass player that said that the best bass player knows when not to play. Oh, that's such an important concept. That's, that's so great that he told you that. Yes. That, and that's true with every instrumentation. You know, if you're a guitar player and you're backing up a singer, knowing when not to play is critical. Yes. Yeah. But under this balance thing, everybody should play equally. Right? Yeah, to a certain degree. But yeah. but that's I not see, but that's not point. right. I see your point. Yeah. Do you see? Cuz it mm-hmm. would it would mess up the music. Yeah. So, I think like harmonizing is better. Than than shooting for equality. I mean, from a from a non musician point of view, that's pretty that's pretty re- dead on. Why? Thank yeah, you. I'm impressed. <laughs> Looky that! Yay! Well, I mean, like I played the flute and I played the baritone and I played, um, I did the tuba for I I played the drums. Did I you really? Oh yeah, I was in band. I played them. I play, you know my ADD took me around I all the them instruments. All. <laughs> <laughs> to the, the, my ability, you know what my favorite was, is playing the Pink Panther on the flute. I love that. The Pink Panther theme. Did, you, I was get, like, did you get it down? Oh, yeah. But anyway, so, so I think that that's, you know, I, I think that this plays into something larger when we say, well, I don't want to pay the taxes on it. Can't, you know, that's a short-sighted view. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, I, you, you've proven that point. Yeah, so, so yeah. I think that... Uh, to go back to our deferred compensation. We're, we're still on the word of the day. <laughs> yeah, I Dear know. Lord. Halfway through the show, we're on the word of the day. But that's okay. Because you know what? Let's get to this week's key, shall we? That sounds good. Okay. But, uh, hope for the best, plan for the worst. Yes. So this part of Keys to Riches, sponsor, or powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio, is sponsored by KeepMyID.org, the only service that actually prevents identity theft. All others are just monitoring services. Put your credit on lockdown for Keys to Riches radio listeners by visiting our website at keystoriches.com forward slash keep my ID and click on the link to start protecting your financial future right now. Remember to use promo code WAGS. So this week's key is hope for the best, plan for the worst. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, welcome. 
a special welcome for newcomers to Keys to Riches, powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio. The Keys to Riches is a financial philosophy and a baker's dozen of financial concepts that teaches you how to think like the rich and be in control of your own money. It also gives you specific techniques to create or fix your credit, eliminate debt, save and invest, all while transforming your current financial habits into healthy money management skills. We do this one key at a time, one week at a time here at Keys to Riches radio. And I'm so excited. We are uh, at the almost halfway mark with our sixth Mm. key. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to last week's key, I would highly encourage you to download that because it'll help put, it'll be, it's like the first, it's part one of the two parts of explaining the brain and our biological responses to stimulus in our environment. So I, I talked last week about the three amigos uh, model for information processing that I came up with and explained how we respond to stimulus in our environment, whether it's in our external environment that we see, hear, feel, taste, or touch, or whether it's in our internal environment, like a self-generated thought or the return of a memory. Okay. So in any case, we have this system for processing information and this plays into this key. So hope for the best plan for the worst. So the point of this key is about creating a plan B and A lot of of folks um, in the self-help and motivational realm really focus on creating a plan A. Failure is not an option, blah, blah, blah. Like I can can just hear like all of these little, you know, truisms that these people have these, you know, shimmering statements that sound really great. But then again, how do we incorporate that? into our everyday lives. And the the reality is, is that we don't like all this stuff sounds good about having a plan A and failure is not an option. Um, and yet, and, and, and we kind of operate on this, but our brains are so powerful. We have really no clue if we don't study, you know, interpersonal neurobiology or the brain, if that doesn't float your boat, um, then you probably don't even realize this. But if we think of the brain in terms of an iceberg, you may have heard this analogy. I like to think of it as um, an island instead um, because it gives a, uh, a more palpable, understandable type of analogy. So if you think about an island, all right, so you have the part of the island that's above the water. So you have the mountains, right? Uh, that go up to a peak usually, or if it's a volcano, it has a peak. And then you have this shelf layer that is the beach. And that's, you know, part above water, part below water. Mm -hmm. And then you have this astronomical amount of earth underneath the water. So if we think in terms of this separating our conscious and subconscious uh, there's three parts of the brain additionally or differently from last week's information model of processing that we have to understand between the conscious and subconscious because it is super great that we focus and we go, quote, all in and we shove all of our chips in the middle of the pot and bet on whatever it is that we're doing. We want to do that. And consciously, that's a good idea because it's like, 
the difference, your commitment level, in my estimation, has to do everything with how much you're committed. And the way to determine that, I I used to always talk about the difference between marriage and shacking up. And that I felt like that marriage was jumping in a pool and swimming. And it might be cold at first, the water might be a little deep, but the longer you're in it, you get used to it, you acclimate, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then you can swim to the edge successfully. But I liken shacking up as sticking your toes in the water. If it's warm, I'll go in and I'll stay, but if not, I'm getting out. Yeah. So um, if we think in kind of those terms in commitment levels, so when we go all in, when we jump into that pool and start swimming, that's great. Um, And consciously, we do that all the time. We make commitments all the time. But what happens is consciously, we may think we've dove in, but maybe we just waited in a few steps because what happens is that while consciously we lay down the law, we throw down the gauntlet, we put the goal out there. Okay. That in order to accomplish that takes discipline. Discipline is a conscious activity. All right. Willpower, the intestinal fortitude to walk past that chocolate cake and not eat half of it. That's willpower. That is conscious activity for willpower. The problem with discipline is discipline dissipates. The problem with willpower is willpower wanes. You're stronger in the morning than you are in the evening. You're mm-hmm. stronger when you've had less stimulus. So where so it doesn't necessarily have to be a.m., but the start of your day. You're stronger when you're fresher and have le- have had less input into the brain. And the reason why is behavior is a subconscious activity. So this is the part that occurs in the ocean when we think in terms of your brain. So your conscious mind is above the water. Your subconscious mind is below the water. And the subconscious part is much bigger than the conscious part, right? You've got like 12% conscious. You've got 88% unconscious. Mm. And then you have this little critical filter, okay? And this is kind of where we, if you remember the three amigos, this is where the curmudgeon lives because our survival instinct is so strong and it has a natural negativity bias that keeps us from making mistakes, okay? And so when we think, you know what, I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to save $5,000 in the next six months, whatever the goal is a year, I'm going to save $5,000. And it sounds good. And you start out okay. And every day you're setting aside a little bit of money. All right. But then the subconscious says something different. He's like, who do you think you are? You know, you can't save money. Your mother told you you were never good at money. Your father said that you needed to marry somebody rich because you wouldn't be good at money. And so what do you, what happens? So the subconscious now will sabotage the conscious activity of trying to save the money by proving you right because you had this verbal injunction when you were a kid. Yeah. So what we have to do is address our financial fears in this week's key by knowing that our conscious activity is a 12%. It's the David going up against the Goliath of the 88%. And so what we have to do is the activities that we expect
expect to change our lives, we can't just have them as conscious activities like discipline and willpower. We have to make them unconscious behaviors where we do them automatically. Because what happens is we might pretend like everything is okay. We've got our bills paid on time and nothing is going wrong. But underneath in that unconscious ocean, what we're really doing is we're still freaking out and focusing on what we don't have or, or and we'll worry subconsciously because it's easy to block something out of your conscious mind because we can only remember seven to nine things plus or minus two at any given time. So you're either going to remember five things under heavy stress or 11 things under total relaxation. Think about the amount of numbers that are in a phone number, for example. Mm -hmm. So, and some days you remember the area code and some days you forget it, Mm -hmm. you know, and this is why it has to do with stimulus and input. So the purpose of this week's key is while we've created our dreams with deadlines, what we need to do is reel back. And we have to create those plan B's for the stuff that we're afraid of, that we don't want to talk about or don't want to think about, like the death of an incoming spouse, an unexpected financial event, um, the uh, interruption of an income stream doing to, due to an accident, um, maybe the care of an indigent parent or a spe- special needs child. And we have to think about those things that we don't want to think about because they're morbid or awful or things right. like that. But just because you're not consciously thinking about it doesn't mean that your subconscious is ruminating about it. And that subconscious rumination is what will affect your skills. So for a financial fire escape plan, please visit our website at keystoriches.com and type in the search bar financial fire escape and you will get a worksheet that will help stimulate this conversation that you and your special other half have to get working on right away. So that's it for this week's key for our key statement, key affirmation and key action item. Please visit our website at keystoriches.com. And for the maestro of Moolah, Michael Terry, I'm Heather Wagonhalls. Now go out and unlock your wealth today. Unlockyourwealthradio.com is produced by Heather Wagonhalls and the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation. Unlockyourwealthradio.com and its affiliates are copyrighted 2016 with all rights reserved. For more information on the Keys to Riches Financial Wellness Series, please visit our website at www.unlockyourwealth.com.